Hello and welcome to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, the podcast that puts the pert into property. I'm Piers Weiner, the older and saggier alternative to your usual host, Jess, and this week I'm joined by two luminous youths with barely a wrinkle between them, unless you count Tim, EG's deputy editor Tim Burke and news editor Pui Guan Man to offer a recap on the week. So, uh, Pui, by dint of seniority? No, the opposite. No. Uh, <laughs> let's start with you. <laughs> I, as a recap to your piece, should we say it's bad, but not as bad as it could be? Is that a fair, if not particularly comforting summary? Sure. I mean, there is a fair bit of bad. So, um, I mean, I guess to start with, um, n- no one sort of displayed any surprise whatsoever by uh, the Bank of England's um, uh, base rate hike last week to 3%, yep. or um, by hints this week from the Bank of England that further rises are on the horizon. Um, well, there were, I mean, there were some in the market that were saying that it was going to go up by by even more, weren't they, to 3.25? So it was something like 18% of the market. Well, yeah, I think analysts are broadly predicting a, a sort of a peak rate range of between 3.75% and 4.25% barring any kind of big, massive new event that none of us have foreseen, which seems to be happening more often than not as of late. I know, so maybe I shouldn't I mean, be we, jinxing we, it. Exactly. We've got to be luckier than that, though, haven't yeah. we? I mean, let's everybody <laughs> touch some words. Let's let's just hope that we have a period of relative calm. Indeed. But, and your piece was looking at, at essentially the, the impact of that and the various other well, macro exactly. issues that are going on. Exactly that. And um, discussions at this week's uh, Crefty Europe conference, um, the confirmed prices on deals are being slashed by uh, 20 to 40 percent which is yeah ouch Um, and you know anecdotally it does still seem to be the case that a lot of significant deals um, seem to have gotten stuck uh, in in the works and um, I guess all signs pointing um, as ever to a fairly painful price discovery process uh, Mm. ahead of us and and I guess the lack of transactional activity happening as well, that's going to be another thing. And sorry, sorry to be the bearer of doom and gloom, <laughs> as is usually the case in, <laughs> on the podcast. My favourite thing about that 40% stat was that Nicole Lux at Bayes Business School referred it referred to it as chipping the prices by up to 40%. And I thought, at what chipping. point does chipping become chiselling? Yes. And then just become smashing a massive yeah. chunk on it. Forty percent isn't a chip, is it? I think it's that's a that's a, a slash. Really. When I'm going yeah. for my I like, head, it is a slash, writing, right? That's a slash. Yeah, I I, I did. Right. Yeah, I thought I would tweak chip to slash <laughs> for the headline, but then put back in the chips later on, <laughs> just to try and balance things out a little. Yeah, um, yeah. But that's that's an interesting point, isn't it? That the prices are being chipped, but as you said, quite a lot of people are just holding back from selling. So are we seeing are we seeing far fewer deals going through now? There is certainly an element of of caution mm. <laughs> and a lot of um, yeah. I think there's a lot of of, of wariness and just the ongoing this this whole price the repricing is just not it's not helping matters is it um so everyone's holding back and trying to watch what everyone else is doing <laughs> um but then that creates a cycle in and of itself doesn't it really but i should stress though that you know lots of real estate finance experts much clever cleverer than i am uh, are keen to stress that although 
tough times are, are ahead. It's not going to be nearly as bad as what we saw in 2008-9. So, so there is that. I mean, Peter Kosmatatos, um, who's the boss at, at Crefsi, um, has said that is actually a really important positive uh, to, to bear in mind that, you know, not all properties are going to be affected at the same time, but rather it might be more of a granular thing where it will be sort of property by property basis. Mm. Um and at this time, at least the credit and finance markets are there and it's functioning to kind of uh, to, to back things up, if that makes sense. And what's the is, is that largely to do with the, the different levels of indebtedness? Is that? Well, yeah, well, exactly. It's just a, a, a different situation this time round, because last time it was an issue that um, that it was limited liquidity really was, was mm. the issue. Um, whereas this time it does feel like, uh, you know, at least the credit markets are are functioning and yet sure there are still going to be significant implications I think for for refinancing and and for hedging as well but but that it is not going to be you know at least the credit markets aren't broken that's kind of his the key message of what he was trying to say so um, and you've got a much more diverse set of lenders as well now than you did back in the back in the old GFC of your a lot of alternative names that have sprung up since which make it feel which make it feel a bit healthier through diversity of nothing else, I think. Well, exactly that. Yeah. And, and I guess in, into that picture that we're going to see some people who are actually going to do quite well out of this, aren't we? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's certainly going to be some, um, you know, I mean, Nicole Lux, um, I think, just kind of bringing, bringing it back to some of her comments. She was mm. saying that there's going to be some pretty excellent uh, lending opportunities for, for banks there. And I would imagine um, the, the opportunistic types. Um, as well as opportunities on more challenging assets for, you know, mezzanine lender types mm. and uh, preferred equity, you know, that the you know those that are backed by family offices and and that sort of of capital, and that there are opportunities there essentially. So, yeah, there will definitely be some beneficiaries of of some increased activity. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. A silver lining for all yeah. those clouds. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so the silver lining that's that's even more apparent if you happen to have lots of silver. Uh, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Well, I suppose now now everything is sort of uh, banking on next week's autumn statement and how the Bank of England responds to that, which I suppose you will be in a far better position than me to, to sort of <laughs> <laughs> to offer views on that. But yeah, yeah, that's well, that's where it's see. at. <laughs> and it's it's a sort of it's a similarly grim picture as well on the agent side, isn't it, Tim? I mean, the piece that you had this week. Uh, painted a, a a not particularly comfortable picture for them. No, everything everything that Puy has just mentioned, we are already seeing hit um, mm. hit the agencies' businesses. A, a bunch of the big names have put out third quarter figures over the last couple of weeks. Um, CBRE, Colliers, Cushman, JLL, and Newmark have all reported. And actually, the Q3 results aren't they're not horrible. Lots of the business lines are performing well. Leasing has has stood up pretty well, and we, we've talked about that. Um, um, on a few on a few shows recently, mm. property management arms are doing pretty well, but the capital markets businesses um, that are reliant on on investment deals and on um, commercial mortgage origination have have really tanked across those big five names. Um, Q3 revenues are 400 million dollars lower than they were at this point at this point last year. That's something like a 16 percent 16 drop year on year. That's, and it's that's, all, that's quite a chip, isn't it? I mean, I think that is a, a that is a chip. Is I don't know if it's a slash or a not chip, a slash, but it's a I chip. like a tank. Um, it's 
it's really notable and you 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 read the commentary that the um a lot of the chief executives and their finance officers were making around what was going on and it's back to these themes that we're discussing it's a lack of transaction activity mm. leading to um leading to a, a sort of price discovery process that is taking much longer to play out than anyone had hoped and, and that ultimately just meaning that deal flow is is drying up so almost all the executives were talking about this chasm that still exists between um between seller and buyer expectations in terms of in terms of pricing and the fact that deal flow had just had just completely dried up since most were saying kind of early september um mm. where where activity as one said just fell off um just fell off from the beginning of of that month and it doesn't it looks like q4 is going to be tougher and I don't think anyone is realistically saying that there's going to be a recovery either in the macro picture and therefore really in terms of transactions as well um, until probably a reasonable way into next year. Again, as as we said from her discussions with the with the um, financier market, no one's talking about a kind of global financial crisis esque mm. um, downturn again, but. And no one's no one's pretending it's going to be an easy an easy run either. Um, and it's just that price discovery process playing out and working out how you get all the different parties in a deal back on the same page with access to funding and a shared desire to make these deals happen. Well, this is this is a sort of point in the market, isn't it? When you tend to see um, cash rich players who might otherwise not have been able to. To, to get the deals that they wanted starting to come in is that starting to happen now or do we have to wait a little bit longer i think yeah i think if you don't need if you don't need to borrow you've got the cash on hand and you know that there are going to there are going to be some forced sellers mm. to a degree yeah it's probably a great time to be looking around for things as you said there's always someone who's going to find a deal and find an opportunity in um in a duff period for the for the overall market someone's always making money somewhere i know that's not a particularly big insight but <laughs> but it's an insight nonetheless so listen enough enough about what me and Puy have been writing this week i want to ask you about what um about what you've been penning you've been writing about investment zones and it all just feels like that's been all but officially disbanded now but i presume yeah, for everyone who spent ages working on their pitches for these I mean that that's not going to be wasted work, is it? Don't don't the government just keep those documents on file, ready for the U-turn on the U-turn, and then you've you've already got your application in? How will that work? I think, is that the point where it becomes an S-turn? Probably. Is that, is that an S-turn? I, I heard somebody talk about a W-turn, which I was like, but that surely, I mean, that that doesn't quite make sense. Um, or a donut. Donut is the other expression. So but, they're not. Are we? I mean, I know, I know, it it hasn't been announced, but. They're done, right? Investments. It is, hasn't is been done. announced, and and you know what? I think. I mean, I I chiefly wanted to write about investment zones this week because you know it might have been my last opportunity to do so, um, and I, I'd always like to give something the send off it deserves. But yeah, there's a possibility that they could hang around in some form, like a nasty smell in an elevator. They could just have that sort of whiff. A pilot scheme is being potentially talked about, but essentially, whatever happens to it. The word from within the hallowed walls of the Treasury is it's dead. There's no real appetite to bring these forward. Goves back in the driving seat at Deluc, um, at the levelling up department, and he is far more keen on going back to the ideas in the levelling up paper. The uh, 
the regeneration zones, the housing-led schemes. Um, and this is the thing with the sort of the supercharged Homes England um, idea that he was talking about then. So it looks more likely that that's going to come back. Um, whatever happens with investment zones, I mean, it's not going to be 200 of them. It's not even going to be a dozen of them. They're they're dead in everything but name now, and they'll probably be dead in name by next week. But as for as for what happens, I mean, you're right that the people spent they didn't have much of a window of time. The people the applicants had two weeks, I think it was, to um to get their bids together from first hearing about these things um mm. to to being told that's the submission deadline. Um and yet 41 authorities managed to get bids in. And they managed to get bids in for, for well, I mean, the, the figures vary depending on which lists you managed to get hold of, but like 100 or so zones. And all of those bids took a lot of manpower, a lot of work. Um, I was uh, hearing from a, a, a councillor in the Midlands who said that, you know, they, they committed three staff working full time for 10 days on their bid. And that is just time that is now completely wasted. And we're talking about um, planning departments, regeneration departments that are completely underfunded and understaffed mm. anyway. And on top of it, they've got to do this. So there's uh, there's enormous animosity about the fact that these have just been pushed forward as the replacement of every single levelling up idea um, and that everybody has to jump on board and then dismissed almost as quickly. So I think... Um, in the the piece that I wrote, there was some some understandable fury. I mean, uh, the the, the quote yeah. that you'll see that the quote in there of, of hacked off. I think it was hacked. I think that's what I heard. <laughs> that's the official. It, official. <laughs> that's the yeah. euphemism, at least. <laughs> it might have been more of a hacked. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people are understandably incredibly angry, but I think the possibility of some stability coming down the line, some certainty, means that hopefully we'll not have quite so many u-turns and uh probably dead i think is the the verdict on investment let's see what happens on the 17th i suppose exactly um i think the other thing and gather again next week to debrief on it that's an idea why don't we we will won't we it'll be it'll be happening it just will what a lovely idea (laughs) have you um, have you prepared a quiz for us this week i have prepared a quiz do you fancy like i haven't i don't know whether i have i not been on this for a while i feel like i haven't i feel like i haven't done a quiz for a while that's sad, Tim. We need it to is. we need to address that promptly. And I make feel like end. he's just thrown down the gauntlet. <laughs> exactly. So, which of you wants to go first in this quiz of quizzes? I volunteer Tim to go first. Excellent. Tim, who is profiled in the mag this week talking about the three P's, pandemic, Putin and pounds? I really liked the three P's. I thought it was a great, um, I thought it was a great little, little soundbite. Um, this is... Jonathan Seal uh, of Jeez. Regal London, who, um, having barely, barely dealt with the world of property before taking that role, has had to deal with all three of those um, in the short time during which he's been um, he's been chief executive of that developer. That Talk is, about getting thrown in the fire, end. isn't it? That really is. Um, but he's one he, yeah, he was he was one, one to Tim. Can you please yes. remind me of that because I will lose track of the scores as always. Um, and he's uh, he was a, he was a lawyer before that, and then ended up in corporate finance. I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? So, I enjoyed his comments that people hated him when he was a banker, hated him when he was a private equity player, and then he said, "Now real estate is the worst hack because everyone really hates you if you're working in this industry." <laughs> I think he just needs better friends. <laughs> um, we over to you. 
Which university has taken space at related Argent's eight billion pound Brent Cross scheme? Um, that would be Sheffield Hallam. That's right, because yeah. that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Absolutely. For, for which which university would you expect in North London? Definitely Sheffield Hallam. Hey, listen, if you're going to have a satellite office, at least you know you want to make it far away. That's just <laughs> it's true. Otherwise, what's the point? I mean, a part of me thinks we should have tried to, you know, I mean, obviously Sheffield Hallam, brilliant, uh, brilliant uni, but why not also somewhere far flung? Why not? Why not Harvard? <laughs> well, maybe those talks are, are ongoing. We'll have to, have to catch up with them and see, <laughs> see if that because there's still space to let, isn't there? It's like the first major letting. <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. Well, that's that's one all. Um, so, Tim, back over to you. What were authorities given two weeks to bid for before they were as good as scrapped three weeks later? Well, this is just silly, isn't it now? But I mean, we could never, I could never have second guessed that we would talk about this and then have it in the quiz. Um, investment sales. It is investment I, I don't even need to say it. Do I? I Very do. good. 2-1, Pui. Another question about um, longevity or lack of for you. Uh, how long did Lee Rowley last as housing minister? Ooh. Oof. Okay, let, wait, okay, wait a, wait a second. I might be able to do this. Um, it's a bit if, of a doozy because there are two ways of working it out, but um, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll oh accept gosh, okay. a, a range of answers. Oh, no, it's okay. It's going to have to be a punt from me. Um, I'm just going to say, because it was, it was, I really want to say it was um, September-ish, October-ish that he was appointed. So maybe... I really want to say like 40, 40 days. Oh, it's good. It's good. Ooh. Well, I mean, I get the, it? the way that you can work it out, if you take it from when he first became a PUS in, in Deluc, um, which is, as you say, that sort of end of uh, September time, um, to when he tweeted that he was now local government minister instead, then that's mm. a massive 58 days. Oh, but oh. if you take it from the tweet that he sent out the first time anybody said that he was housing minister, which was himself, again, it's government by tweet. Um, that's that's 45 days. <gasps> Otherwise known so as close. a truss. He, <laughs> so he, takes, he takes the record. He is now, um, because I'm sure we, we all love this game of who can be the, the shortest serving housing minister. He is now the shortest serving housing minister. For now. So right. For now. For, obviously. For now. Yeah. Yes, I, I made the massive mistake of saying after the last one, well, nobody's going to last less time than that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, you, you chipped it there. At oh, <laughs> that was definitely a chip. ouch. I felt that in um, my heart. <laughs> I think, I mean, you got the general idea that it's not long at all. So let's let's give you that. Um, oh, that's, that's too kind. So I'm going to go for two all, which means a decider. Tim, who is getting Sweaty Betty in its cardinal place? Hmm. <laughs> this is and i just want to say that i loved the um workout pun in um please headline for this story this is this this is landsec big leasing win for the mighty landsec yes. very good it's not just in its cardinal place is it it's it's in three of its retail locations indeed yeah. uh portsmouth i think london portsmouth oxford yeah all right, we're not playing for extra points. <laughs> Actually, we probably are. I feel like we're making up the rules as we go along. <laughs> well, it's it's three two so far, and I only know that because I've written a little post-it note and stuck it onto my computer. Um, but we, this is the last question with you. So, which legend won the coveted, although sadly still unofficial, best footwear gong at last week's EG Awards? 
Um, as you said that, I had a very sort of visceral memory of seeing <laughs> these shoes that were... were official think, official was... memory or a visceral <laughs> <laughs> I was standing next to you when, when you walked past and, and I remember you tugging on my sleeve and going, oh my God, oh my God, look at that, look at that. <laughs> um, it, it was, of course, fabulously modelled by uh, Mark Robinson. It was, yes. And, and can, you, can you remember uh, what they were? Or rather, um, I know you can remember. Can you describe? They were them? in indeed um, open-toed fish flops. <laughs> they were, yes, uh, I believe absolutely they're, they're, stunning. For people who want to follow uh, in his sartorial shoes, uh, or well, sartorial open-toed fish flops, um, you can buy these. I think it's a company called Coddies that make them. Is that right? They also make uh, loafers <laughs> that look like loaves of bread and uh, another range that looked like uh, lobsters. I'm not sure what the joke is with lobsters, but they look cool. Did he buy right. Did he buy them for the event, or did he own them anyway, if we asked? I, I think they were bought specially. I think they were, yeah. But, you know, I, mean, I mean, either occasion, is good. So... But... They're not the sort of thing that you'd only wear once, though. I'm no. sure he's wearing them all the time. Oh, of course. No, no. Well, that's what? my Christmas gifting uh, idea sorted for this year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, there we go. I mean, that's that's three all. That's you've both proven your worth. Jess will be back next week where we will be talking, as promised, about the autumn statement and whatever other juicy stories come up. But until then, thank you very much. Uh, goodbye from me and goodbye from Tim. Goodbye from Queen. Goodbye. Farewell. Bye.